Someone said recently that the world needs Christmas. And I thought, what a mistake. It's not that we need Christmas. What the world needs is Christ. And sometimes when people come and they don't see any Christmas trees or decorations, they think that we're kind of odd. Uh, And we are kind of odd. Uh, The Bible tells us that we're supposed to be a peculiar people. But I don't think that that's what it's talking about. But we don't celebrate uh, the birth of Christ uh, because there's nowhere in the Bible that it tells us to make a special occasion for that for the church. Uh, But we also realize that it was important that He came to this world. And most likely it wasn't December the 25th that He came into this world, but it was important that He came into this world. And if there was ever a time that the world needed Christ, it is today. Because we see a world that is caught up in sin. We see people doing things that we couldn't even imagine people doing. And many times it's people that they don't know Christ. They don't know the love that He has for us and the love that God has for us. And we can try, and people may try, to ignore the holiday, but it's there. And I always think it's a good time to remind ourselves of why it was important that Jesus came into this world. And so that is what I want to do this morning. I want us to know that it's an important event, not one that we celebrate as a church service or worship service, because we celebrate His death when we partake of the Lord's Supper. And as we assemble upon the first day of the week, we were reminded of His resurrection on that Sunday morning. And that's what's important, is the fact that He died for our sins and that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave. And so there are many reasons this morning why the world needs Christ. And the world needs to know some of those reasons of why He came to this world. And one of those reasons is that He came to this world looking for us. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Jesus is eternal, just like God is eternal. And so in the beginning, uh, we read about in Genesis, the beginning of this world, Jesus Christ was there on that occasion. He was involved with the creation. And when God said, let us make man in our image, He is talking about Himself, He's talking about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so we're created in that image. And here's the important thing, that He was the Word and is the Word. He is truth, and we can rely upon His Word. But when you look at John chapter 1 and verse 14, it tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Think about that, the fact that Jesus, the Son of God left heaven and came to this earth and took on the form of flesh, took on the form of man so that He could walk among man and He was tempted like as we are, but yet He was without sin. It's important to know that He came to this world and He lived a life of an example for you and me to follow. He came looking for us. He came looking for people to be saved. In fact, we know that the Bible teaches us that one of the things that He came for was to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And so He came looking for us. And you get a reminder of that or a picture of that in the garden when God was walking in the garden and Adam heard His voice and He asked Adam, where art thou? He's looking for Adam. Did he know where Adam was at? I'm sure he did. But Adam needed to know where he was. And brethren, we need to know where we're at. We need to know whether we're lost or we're saved. We need to know if we're right with God or if there's things that we need to change in our lives to be right with God. And sometimes that's tough decisions that we have to make in our own lives. But God came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth looking for us. You see, in many world religions, it has a concept that God is elusive. It's hard to find Him. And you can try as hard as you will. You can follow the certain steps. And perhaps someday you might find Him. And not, if not in this life, maybe in the next life you'll find Him. But that's not what the Bible teaches about the God of heaven. The only true God. He wants us. He's looking for us. Christianity presents a different picture than world religions. Because as I said, Jesus said He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. So God's looking for you. And maybe He's found you and maybe you've obeyed the Gospel and you're a child of His and that is great and wonderful for you. But there are others that are lost. And there's probably some here today that are in that lost condition that needs to do something about it because God is looking for you. You see, He came before we were even looking for Him. And He's not hiding. He wants to be known and He wants you to know Him. The world also needs to know that God loves us. The most familiar passage of Scripture in the Bible is John 3 and verse 16 where it tells us there, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you ever wonder what the motive that God had for sending His Son, that is it. That He loved us and He cares about us and He wants us to be saved. He wants us to know who He is. He wants the world to know that someone loves them. You see, there's a lot of people in this world that they, don't, they live alone. They don't know that someone loves them. God wants us to know that He sent His Son and that He came to this world looking for them because He loved them. He's not hiding. He's not trying to keep something from us. He's given us everything that we know so that we can live a godly life in His presence here on this earth. And I know that life can be hard. And I know that life can leave us empty. That there are things that happen in this life that are difficult. But always know this. You don't have to be alone. God can be with you if you will allow Him to do so. Because He loves us deeply. In fact, I heard someone say one time, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And that'd be great to know, wouldn't it? But you see, our name can be written in a book in heaven. And that's more important than having your picture on a refrigerator. Is your name written in heaven? Is your name written in that book of life? If not, God came, He sent His Son, 
because He loves you and He wants you to be saved and He wants to put your name in that book. I also want us to realize that the world needs to know that God understands us. Whatever we experience in this life is understood by God because Jesus Himself has been there. He's been one of us. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to suffer loss. You see Him at the tomb of Lazarus and He wept, the Bible says. He knows what it's like. In Psalm chapter 103 and verse 14, there we're reminded by the psalmist that God, He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows what we're made of. He knows what we're capable of. I had a family member that had a four-wheeler. And their grandson was out riding that four-wheeler. And they decided to drive it through the stream. And it took on water, got water in the engine block. Well, they called a manufacturer and they wanted a manufacturer to fix it because it got water in the engine block. The manufacturer said, it wasn't made to do what you were doing with it. You see, they knew the capabilities of that machine because they had made that machine. They knew what it could do and what it was not supposed to do. And that's exactly what God knows about you and me. He created us. He knows what we're capable of. And He knows what we're made out of. And so when we say it's impossible to live a Christian life, God says that it is possible. And how does He know? Because He created us. He made us. Can we resist sin? We most certainly can. Can we live a faithful life in service to God? We most certainly can. How do I know that? Because the manufacturer tells us that we can do it. God created us. So when we feel lonely or others are not treating us right, the temptation may be strong and we may be struggling in this life, what we need to remember is that Jesus knows what all of that's like because He was tempted like we are. As it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, "...for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with, our, with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are." Yet, without sin, He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be alone. Remember on the night that He was betrayed, His disciples fled. He died alone on that cross. In fact, He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Why? Because He was alone. He knows what that's like. God's with us. He understands us. He came to find us because He loves us and He understands us and He knows what we're made out of and what we are capable of doing. The very name Emmanuel means God with us. We also need to know and the world needs to know that God can do anything that there is nothing that is impossible for God. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, Jesus says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. 
The story of the birth of John the Baptist is an amazing story. Elizabeth was barren, yet Mary is told that Elizabeth is going to have a child, and her husband didn't believe that it was going to happen. And as a result of that, he was unable to speak until John was born. Also, when we continue on into that story, we see the amazing, uh, the, the amazing act where a virgin birth took place, where Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And that virgin birth is physically and naturally impossible. And that's one of the most significant signs that God could give to His people to look for a Savior. Because we know that there was a miracle that had to have taken place, that it wasn't natural for what was taking place. But Jesus was the Son of God. And it had been prophesied that He would be born of a virgin by the prophet Isaiah. And when that sign was fulfilled, we could see or we could know that Jesus was the one that they were to look for. And we could see other prophecies concerning Christ that were fulfilled. And so we know and can know without any doubt in our mind that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. As I mentioned this morning in our Bible class about the centurion, as he stood and witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross, and he felt the earth shake, and he saw the tombs open, and he saw all of those things that took place, the darkness, he said, truly this is the Son of God. He witnessed all of those things. We talked about some of those last Sunday. Today, the church, in the church, we are often burdened with many things that are not so important. And we forget to believe that God is at work with us. As was mentioned in the prayer this morning, we need sometimes to be reminded that God is still in control. And we forget that sometimes. And so we run around trying to figure out what we're going to do about this or that. Things that we have no control over, no power over, nothing that we can do about it. We need to be reminded that God hasn't forgotten us. He's still in charge. How's He going to see us through? I don't know. How will He do it? I don't know. But I'm confident that He's in charge. I trust Him because I trust the Bible. And when you read the Bible, you can see that what He said is going to happen, happens. Can God use us to accomplish His will? He most certainly can. Why? Because with God, nothing is impossible. I like the attitude that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. In Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, you know that they were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the idols of Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve the gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They realized their hands or their, their lives were in God's hands. God could deliver them, but if He didn't, so be it. 
They were not going to bow down to those false gods. They were going to stand strong with God. And if it cost them their life, it cost them their life. And, they, and we know the rest of the story that they were delivered out of that fiery furnace. How many of us have confidence that God is with us? The Bible says He's not going to commit or perform miracles for us today. Those times have ceased. But do we trust that He's with us at this very moment and in every moment of our life? In Ephesians, I'll get here in a minute. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God knows what we need. God understands. God can help us. He knows what we need before we even ask. In fact, He knows better what we need than we need or know about ourselves. Because sometimes we think we need something or we want something, and it's really not for our betterment. We may not see that at the time, but God knows what's best for us. And so we have to trust Him. Is it easy? Not always. But we trust Him. We looked at David a little bit last week and we've seen how he talked about you know, the Lord is with him. He's a shepherd. Leads him in the paths of righteousness. And yea, though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. God was with him. He trusted God. And when he started looking out there in the world and he saw people that prospered and he started to doubt, he remembered that he needed to trust God. We have to trust God. God will keep His promises. And that's my next point. God will keep His promises. And as we see in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79, that that was the theme of Zechariah's song, was that God keeps His promises to save and to be merciful to His people. God cares about us. He's made a plan so that you and I could have salvation to save us from sin. This world is messed up, but we can have peace knowing that we're faithful to God because God followed through and He kept His promise that was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we can see that His Son eventually came to this world, lived among men, was a great example, and then died on a cross for your sins and mine. And then on the third day came forth out of that grave so that you and I could have hope. Think about what our Lord has done for us. I read about a grandmother who decided that it was easier to just write a check to her grandkids for Christmas rather than buy them gifts. And so she sat down at her desk and took her pen out and she started writing the checks and making out the cards and she wrote out the card or checks and to put them in the Christmas cards and in each card she carefully wrote, buy your own present. And then she sent them off. After the holidays were over, 
She was going through a stack of papers on her desk, and when she moved one stack, she saw all of those checks that she had written at the bottom of that pile. Everyone on her guest list had received a beautiful Christmas card from her with those words, buy your own present, written inside but no check. I say that because I want us to realize God doesn't make any empty promises. The promises that God's made are promises that God will keep. And when He says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life, that's a promise that we can rely on. It's not an empty promise. It's real. And when He tells us that we can have the forgiveness of sin, if we will be baptized into Christ, if we turn from our sin and we believe and make that great confession, He'll forgive us of our sins. There's no magic potion in the water. You're not earning it. It's a gift from God. And this God, the gift has been extended to you, but you have to receive it. And you have to do something in order to get it. You have to, to accept it. You have to be obedient. I'm sure that many people in this room, if not all the people in this room, are going to get up on a day this week and they're going to open some presents. Imagine handing that present to that loved one that you spend a lot of time picking out and you say, here it is. And you just look forward to them opening it and they just take that present and they set it off to the side. Well, maybe in your head you're thinking, well, they're just saving that one for last and that's the best one anyways. But then they open all the others and they just leave that one sitting there. And they never open it. How would that make you feel? Think about the gift that God has given to us that many people have just taken and set it off to the side. And they never open it. They never do what God has said they need to do to, to, to receive it. How many people here this morning have heard the gospel, but yet they reject that message and have not accepted, have not been obedient to it, have not been buried with our Lord in baptism to have their sins washed away when they could walk out of this building today in a safe condition because of the gift that God has given to us. You see, God came looking for us because He loves us, He understands us, and God can do anything. And God keeps His promises. But He also came because He wants to save us. The angels confessed in the Scriptures that we read this morning, Rodney read for us, that a Savior was born. A Savior is going to save us from our sins. And no doubt the human race was in need of being saved. It should be evident that God has gone to great lengths in planning eternal life in order to save us. God isn't looking for an opportunity to squash us or torment us. 
He's had plenty of opportunities if that's what he wanted to do. God is looking for opportunities to save us. And He wants us to live with Him eternally. Think about that. He wants you and me to live with Him forever. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to be lost. You say, well, why didn't He just save everybody? Because He made us free moral agents to choose. And He wants you to choose to be a follower of His. He wants you to choose to love Him. To understand what He's given for us. And to accept the promises that He's made. We have a choice. And I'm glad He didn't make us some little wind-up toy so that when He winds us up that we just go about doing whatever He wanted us to do. He's given us a choice. And unfortunately, many people are going to take that gift of salvation that He's offered and set it off to the side and leave it there forever. The world needs to know that when we feel lost, God came looking for us. And when we felt unloved, God loved us. And when we feel alone, God understands you. And when you feel powerless, God can do anything. And when everything seems like a lie, God keeps His promises. And when we wonder why we're here, it's because God wants to save us. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came to this earth. He died for your sins and my sins. If you're in a lost condition today, you don't have to leave today in that condition. You can make the choice to be obedient to the Gospel. You know, Sometimes I wonder why people would want to stay in that condition lost when they know what it means and where they're going to end up. But that's a choice God's given us. And as my uncle said one time, you know, you kind of just lay it out there like the Bible says. And Jesus tells us that there's only two choices. One leads to life eternal. The other leads to destruction. Damnation. There's no middle road. There's not spend a little bit of time over here and then you get to go over there. No. You make your choice today. And I ask you, if your life ended today, where would you spend eternity? Jesus has done everything that He needs to do. God's done everything that He needs to do. Have you done everything that you need to do in order to be saved? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. My friend, you can do that today. Put your trust and faith in Him. Turn away from your sin. 
make the great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and then be buried with our Lord in baptism to rise up to walk that new life. You can do that this morning. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.